Hello, faithful listeners. This is Pastor John Clowder from Faith Lutheran Church here in Forest Lake, and we are so glad that you are listening online to our online podcast. Welcome you to worship anytime on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 10.30, and thanks for being here. Thanks for participating in worship with us as we look forward to the week ahead. A gospel reading from the 16th chapter of Mark. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man, dressed in a white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look. There is the place they laid him, but go tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Grace and peace to you, my friends, in the risen Christ. Oh, the drama and the intrigue and, of course, the aftermath of now what? I mean, who's going to take responsibility? It was so disruptive and there are questions that need to be answered. This kind of thing just doesn't happen. You know, people don't just rise from the dead and, if we're going to be honest, massive cargo ships don't just veer into the banks of the Suez Canal, cutting off trade for a week without some explanation. And so the ever-given, as it's labeled here, the evergreen, this ship the size of the Empire State Building, just think about that, completely blocked off the Suez Canal for six days, holding up $9 billion worth of trade a day. Why do I bring up this massive ship that got stuck on the shores on the other side of the world? Well, I think it's because almost immediately this was the story that really hit our news feeds and this was the story that took our minds off of almost everything else that's been stressing us out. Isn't this why everybody joined Facebook in the first place? To relieve our stress and not create more of it? Internet memes latched onto this immediately. Thankfully, they had a lot of fun with this. For, For example... You may make many mistakes, but at least they're not usually something that they would say, we can see your mistake from space. Bad. And of course, there's this one. This is the one that probably broke the internet, the best meme so far. This is a comparison meme. This is where we describe one thing and then put another description on the other item. And a description of our feelings about the pandemic is written on the massive ship that says, here's the the massive ship, the crushing despair of everything from the past year, and next to it, a tiny little bulldozer, kind of like the little engine that could, trying to hold up the ship with the phrase, you, just doing your best. Great metaphor, right? 
These past 13 months have been heavy. And if we're just trying to do everything our alone, uh, everything alone, we probably feel like this tiny bulldozer. Is there really anything that we can do? But I love how Jerry and Donna sponsored our broadcast today, thanking everyone from Faith and from our members because of the collaboration that we've all had, helping keep each other afloat. Have you felt it? I know I sure have. I know I would feel crushed under the weight of this pandemic if I had to do this alone. But we have each other. I was reading about the efforts that it took to get the ever, give, to get the ever given free from the shore of the Suez Canal. And so according to the Business Insider, one of the tugboat workers from Egypt said that there, the Egypt, uh, Egypt's international reputation was at stake and was on the line. And he was quoted as saying, the world has been laughing at Egypt and no one was able to see how much pressure we were under. Every day we would check and yep, that ship was still stuck. But thankfully, by the beginning of this past week, because of the teamwork and the diligent efforts of all of those people on the response crew, that ship was floating again. And boldly, the president of Egypt declared and insisted that everything had gone back to normal. Things are back to as the way they were before, he said. Really? Now that the ship has been unstuck, we know that the investigations are underway. Someone's going to have to pay for the crew that freed the ship. Other ships that were trying to go through had to get redirected, and they're going to be facing massive bills to pay for the extra fuel and extra security because they're having to, having to go through dangerous waters where pirates are. Are they going to expect that someone will reimburse them and take some responsibility? I think so. What about the billions of dollars of goods that were affected by these delays? There is downstream impact that will change the way that things run in the future because of this international incident. Whether we are talking about this ship all the way on the other side of the world, a pandemic that covered every corner of the world, or the rising from the tomb of someone from this world and from our Father's world, things rarely go back the way they were before after an event like this. No, how matter, no matter how much we might be craving a return to normal, we know that the effects of this past year have changed our lives forever. A new normal awaits. We all can relate to this. As Deacon Nina pointed out during her prayer minute, we've all been affected by it. Parenting or work, school, church, it has affected all of us, no matter what it is. But you add to it all of the things going on in our world. For example, the trial happening in Minneapolis, mass shootings that hit our news feed almost every other day at this point, and of course, tensions that we have about the vaccination with various threads of a variant being present. No matter what it is, we have to realize that we need to admit that all of us have been forever changed by the things that we have witnessed. Our eyes cannot unsee this past year, and our bodies will bear all of this in years to come. We have been affected. We have all suffered trauma. We have endured mental fatigue. 
And even if we flip the switch today, there's going to be a time of readjustment, of re-entry into society as we once knew it. I can't help but think of the women who arrived at the tomb that day with their spices. Pretty traumatic event for them, right? To enter an empty tomb? It's not supposed to be empty. And then to make matters worse, this angelic figure telling them, hey, it's okay, just go to Galilee and it'll all make sense. You'll see him. You'll see the risen Christ. He's there in Galilee, back in your hometown. The women are fully expecting to see Jesus in the tomb. Why wouldn't they? Because every step of the way, I feel like the disciples have been three steps behind Jesus. His inner circle is amazed at what they are seeing and eventually will be able to tell these stories. Think about the stories that led up to this, the miracles, Jesus' command of scriptural authority, the way Jesus stands up to the chief priests and the scribes. And what about all these predictions that Jesus makes that keep coming true? Remember last week about this colt that he said would be there just ready to ride into town on Palm Sunday? Or Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, why would I ever do that? And yet it happens. Or what about when Jesus says that this temple will fall and three days be raised up? Jesus was not talking about a physical building, was he? And so when the women see an empty tomb, it should all make sense. It should all come together. But guess what? Even knowing the truth and even knowing this prediction, they fled. They, they run away. They don't say anything. And the very last words in Mark's gospel are, they are afraid. It's the last words of the story, according to Mark. Now, editors would come along and years later, they'd tack on a better ending to give us more of a fulfillment, a a complete ending. It's not that Mark doesn't know how this story's gonna end. It's not that Mark doesn't know what happens next. I truly believe that Mark, as he's writing this down, wants to leave this story with the women fleeing afraid. He wants us to be that reader who immerses ourselves in this story to sit in that ambiguity of what the disciples are going to do next. What are they going to do? What stories are they going to all of a sudden remember and recall and realize that these are the stories that we can tell? Are Peter, James, and John going to remember the transfiguration, that moment where Jesus appears in dazzling white with Elijah and Moses and then tell them, don't tell anybody this story? Not yet. Where things finally starting to sink in. They know these stories and they are the witnesses to the miracles. Without their stories, we don't get the complete picture of who Jesus is. And it's in these moments where they were stunned and afraid, and I guess I can't blame them one bit. One of my pastoral colleagues wrote, while the disciples are often pictured as being utter failures, you could say that the good news is that we have the promise that Jesus will not fail those who have failed. They haven't failed, folks. The disciples haven't failed. They've just been preparing. They've been learning. They've been gaining firsthand knowledge of the Savior that in weeks to come, they will be empowered enough to be able to tell. But not today. Not yet. And so perhaps that's what hits home for me the most on this Easter morning. We have been through a pandemic pandemic. 
most of the way. But it's not quite over yet, is it? We still have precautions to take, vaccinations to give, choices to be made to hopefully get out of this soon. Like the disciples, we aren't complete, utter failures. We're just humans. We're humans that sin, that get anxious, that act out of fear, that neglect to take care of ourselves and the world that God has created for us. But instead of moving on from us and saying, oh my gosh, these humans, they're just no good. Jesus takes a look at us and says, no, I I love you and I forgive you. And that is the power of the resurrection. As vaccination rates increase and COVID transmission rates hopefully continue to decrease over time and stay low, we will start to emerge out of that tomb. We will start coming out of our homes and trying to return confidently into this world again. Out of the tombs into the post-pandemic, post-resurrection world. The good news is we're more ready for this than we think. Because we know our story. We know how Christ walked with us during this pandemic. We know how the risen Lord watched over us and gave us the resilience because we are resurrection people. And we will have a story to tell in the years to come. A story about this God who brought us to safety, who like a ship being lifted off of the shore was pointed towards the open water. And because Christ rose again, together we celebrate that we are free. Amen. Well, that's it for this week's sermon. Thank you for joining us. Look for more information on faithfl.org or certainly reach out to the office if you would like to receive weekly email updates. Thank you.